0: you're listening to the interview highlights for an episode of the creative process
1: and interesting because I, I have to say and it, this is a, a little uh, wrinkle on creative work which yeah. is that um, after you've done it for a very long time you you have a feeling that you're not going to have to abandon a project. And yet I knew this thing was dead and also I think I understood once I started writing Memories of the Future that uh, that I needed that I was in part training myself for writing this book.
0: (laughs) It's, It's kind of like the elephant in the room but you have to like... Um, be twice as smart or be twice as intelligent and still want to seem maybe as an object or, you know, there's a... You
1: know. Yeah, I think, you know, I think these are complicated um, issues and mm-hmm. particularly complicated, of course, for young women. Um, the strange... Uh, one of the strange qualities of our culture and uh, is, of course, that um, a beautiful young woman is assumed to be stupid I mean people do it without um, without thinking there is an implicit assumption that um, you know beauty and intelligence are at odds even though of course rationally I think most human beings know that this is not the case you know if you pushed people to the wall and asked them. And they would say, no, of course people can, uh, you know, or women can be uh, beautiful and intelligent at the same time. But, um, but if you, I've, I've used this example before. I used it in an essay to point out how we all carry around implicit prejudices. And I said, so here's a little story. There's a beautiful young woman in a low-cut cocktail dress standing across the room talking to two other people. And then across, you know, on the other side of the room, two people are watching her. And one of them says to another, You know, that's so and so. She's working on her second postdoc in molecular biology at Rockefeller. And the general position is surprise. You know, how can that beautiful girl in the low cut dress with a glass of champagne in her hand, be working on her second postdoc. I think this is a pretty widespread assumption in the culture. Uh, Why is that? Well, because people in molecular biology for a very long time were not women at all, of any kind. So we carry around these stereotypes with us, and they affect our perception very deeply. I mean, perception is hugely about expectation. There's also Vygotsky, my other another hero of mine, uh, the Russian psychologist, um, who uh, writes very beautifully about play and um, the use of certain, you know, like a spoon as a person, <laughs> and and how this is crucial to the emotional and cognitive development. Um, of, of children. So I think, you know, creativity or art begins in play and in child's play. And as Winnicott says, there are um, adults, adult patients who need to learn how to play.
0: Yes, it's curious because it seems it's how we tell these we tell stories or we make pictures, we dance, we do these things as a way of understanding the world. And then mm-hmm. we are told we must forget how to play, and, and I don't know what happens. I think you went to a, a Steiner school as well?
1: Only for one year. Oh. It was the year I was in Norway in the mm-hmm. seventh grade. Oh. I have to tell you, I, I loved it. It was as if someone had transplanted me from, um, I don't know, Cold, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, almost military uh, school environment into paradise. I had a wonderful teacher too. I had wonderful teachers all around, but my main teacher was someone I loved.
0: I imagine you're very playful. But were there things that they had to? How do you say? You had a certain way of doing it, and then they said, "Well, you can be free. You can do this." Do you remember that advice or?
1: I think you know. I was just ripe um, for that school. They were very kind to me as well, but I fell in almost immediately. You know, we were able to draw. We wrote, for example, the stories of history that we were told into books, and then we illustrated them. Every girl and boy Learned to knit (laughs) you know we painted every day and every 15 minutes on the hour we were allowed to go out and just run and shout and do whatever we pleased so it was a, a heavenly school for me
0: that's that's beautiful so i imagine you um because i i know of course you do an immense amount of research but also i think playful writing as you say the the books also come out of you having accumulated all of this and now i have a and i imagine you you know having little breaks (laughs) where you 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 practice yoga you do you do some kind of dance or whatever like to to get out of the um
1: well, Those I love to dance. I mean, I mean, yes, I don't I go it. dancing enough, <laughs> I have to say, but every time, you know, I'm at a wedding or I get some chance, I really, I think um, the, you know, that in our world, you know, maybe especially since um, the scientific revolution uh, and the, the 17th century, the division between the mind and body is a really, uh, I think, You know, serious and unhealthy one because we are not um, uh, two things. You know, I'm not a substance dualist. I think Descartes was wrong, um, as uh, invigorating a writer as he may be. Uh, So, our uh, we are bodies that think. You know, that's what human beings are. We are not um, minds hovering over. Flesh, and I think it's i I recognize, for example, how a day of ferocious intellectual labor makes me physically really tired, yeah. and that uh, it calls for you know moving one's body, uh, you know, stretching and and walking, uh, uh, doing something else, exercising vigorously, whatever that uh, that you get physically tired. The other interesting thing, which is, you know, I brought up with my hero that she discovers while she's walking in the city, yes. is that there's a very strong motor uh, component to writing itself, which is like the human gait, you know, which mimics the human gait. And I find that when I am stuck uh, on a paragraph, if I stand up and walk, usually the sentence gets jogged loose. So that's a very interesting thing. Uh, You know, there are obviously differences in people's aptitude that we may be born with. But, you know, the ability to dance intellectually Mm -hmm. is learned just the way it's learned by dancers and Mm -hmm. by musicians. There's certainly some native aptitude that is quite mysterious and that may be there. But without training, Mm -hmm. it's lost.
0: And that's why I think also novels are great, teachers, because it's this kind of, um, besides the, the academic reading, which is wonderful that you can, you can go into these worlds, I think a lot of people f- feel limited, but in terms of it's a, it's a whole world experience like that, and that you just, you're learning about, you can, I mean, not with everyone's novels, but you can learn about so many aspects of the world without even realizing that you're learning.
1: Yeah, listen, I have come, you know, uh, I don't even know if it's full circle. I mean, I have a Ph.D. in English literature, and yeah. um, but now at age 64...
0: Oh, I don't um, believe it.
1: Oh, yes, <laughs> I'm an old lady. I have come to believe that, you know, one of the, the greatest forms that we have is the form of the novel. And it is because in the novel, um, you know, in its sort of highest, um, in its highest realization,
0: you know, we can think
1: of many of the great novels, but that you have access to the particularity of human experience in ways that you have nowhere else. I really believe that.
0: To listen to the full interview and learn more about the Creative Process projects, visit www.creativeprocess.info.